Amen. Amen. Hey, let's pray together. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes with me? Lord God, we come before you again to offer ourselves to you. For those of us who know you today, we're here because you have rescued us from our sin. We had no way out, and you brought us out through Christ, our Savior. And so we are bound for the promised land, not because of anything we've done, but because of all that you have done for us. And Lord, I pray for those who are here today who are hearing and sensing and even singing these images from redemptive history, a story that is ours from our ancient past that has now come to us in our lifetime, that you have come to rescue us, to be our sacrifice, our bridge, the way out, our exodus. Lord, I pray for those who may not know you today in a crowd this size, who who are not heading to the promised land, who are wrestling and struggling, wondering if they can trust you. I pray today would be the day that they finally give their lives to you. And Lord, for all of us collectively, I pray that today would be a life-changing day for us as we consider your great love for us. And Lord, now with our hearts open, our minds attentive, Spirit, speak to us that we would leave this place changed. We love you. We praise you. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Hey, it's so good to see you today. Isn't it great just to worship the Lord? Don't you sense? You just feel His presence among us, and it's so uplifting and encouraging in our hearts, in our lives, and so glad that you're here. So last week, uh, after church, I went home. Um, Stacy was out of town with her mom. They were actually on a trip together, a road trip, kind of an epic road trip to see our daughter who lives in California, right near Malibu. When you have kids who live in Malibu, somebody's got to go visit them. And so um, they were on this road trip, actually, went to the Grand Canyon and this whole thing. Well, they're coming back on Monday night late. So I, I had a wild weekend. It was busy. Uh, it was Disciple Now weekend. And, and I went home after church. I had a mid-afternoon meeting. So I got out of my car, went inside, parked my car in the garage, and uh, grabbed myself a quick lunch. And to head back out. So I got back in my car, and I turned the, the key, the ignition, and nothing happened. It was uh, actually a clicking sound. And uh, so I did what every savvy, you know, uh, mechanic would do in our day. Um, I went online, uh, went to YouTube uh, to see if there was some way that I could fix this thing. What is the problem? And you know, all the lights came on, and, and uh, everything seemed to be working, so I thought, gosh, I don't know, it may not be a battery problem if it's an alternator, a starter, you know, I don't know much, but I'm going, ah, oh, this could be really bad. So I'm stuck. I'm in a predicament. I'm in a pickle, is what it is, because I need my car. Not only then, I need it the next day, and, I, and it's just, I thought, I've got to get help. You might remember it's Super Bowl Sunday, and so I realized, sure enough, it could be one of those three things. I called a mechanic that I know. I said, so tell me. He said, it could be one of those three. I said, yeah, I know, but can you come help me? Is there anybody? He said, I can't get anybody out there today on a Sunday. And I thought, wow, I can't help myself. I, I'm in a predicament, and I have a problem. I can't fix this. And then I remembered, AAA. <laughs> and I remembered, yes, 
AAA. Now, this is going to sound like an ad for AAA because I called this guy, well, called their dispatching, whatever, system people, and within five minutes had somebody at my house. And, and, he, and he comes, he tests my battery. He, you know, he has a way to see, and sure enough, it's low. He says, yeah, you need a new battery. This is the one you got when you bought the car. It's, it's, you know, it's done. And, and he said, in fact, I've got batteries in the truck. I said, I need a new battery. Let's get a new battery. Within half an hour, by the time I probably called him, in 45 minutes, he fixed my car, new battery, new power in the car. I'm out. I was rescued. And he had offered the provision that I needed. I wonder if today you find yourself in a predicament. You ever been in a pickle? You know, a pickle is a, it's a rundown in baseball, right? You get stuck in the middle between bases and you don't know what to do and there's really no way out. Maybe you find yourself in a predicament today. All of us do, probably in varying degrees. Maybe for you, uh, you find yourself in one of the biggest pickles of your life. What do you do when you find yourself there? And how does God rescue us from the biggest predicaments of our lives? I want you to grab your Bible and turn to Exodus chapter 14. We're going to continue this story through the book of Exodus. Turn to Exodus 14, and we're going to look at today if you're, if you're a guest or maybe you don't know the Bible really well, you all know this story uh, because this is the historic moment in all of redemptive history of the Old Testament. This is the world historic event that we're going to look at today. Exodus 14, and I want you to grab a Bible, everyone. You have one there in front of you because we're going to walk through this um, entire chapter together. And I want you to think about the predicament we're in, the problem that we have, and the provision that God makes for us as we think about the gospel according to Exodus. First, let's look at the predicament we find ourselves in. We are trapped. Look at chapter 1. Now, before I read this, place it in context. You know if you've been here at all, and if you haven't been, and catch up real quick. We've been looking at the Moses model. Uh, we've considered Moses as a model for life, not because he's a hero, uh, but because God is a hero who chooses normal, ordinary people like him, like me, like you, who have failures and, and flaws, and he uses us for his purposes. We've talked about how he calls us out and how we can figure out how do you hear from God? How does he shape each of us to accomplish his purposes for our lives? So he's been a model for us in that way. And so now what's happened, uh, he's gone to the Pharaoh. And God has told him, you're going to be the one. So he goes to the Pharaoh and says, let my people go. Now, we, we looked at this a couple of weeks ago. Pharaoh's response to that was the modern question of our day. Who is the Lord? And it's that L-O-R-D, capital L-O-R-D. Lord, Yahweh is the word. Now, we add some vowels in there. It's the word Jehovah. Who is the Lord? Who is, and the Lord, Yahweh, literally means I am who I am. Kind of a strange name, but God is the self-defined one. Who is the Lord and why should I obey him? The answer to that question is then essentially the ten plagues. You want to know who he is? Watch. And we see this mixture of a hard-hearted Pharaoh. It says at times he hardened his heart. Other times it said God hardens his heart. Now if that makes you a little crazy theologically, we've, we've talked about that, kind of unpacked that a bit. There's both going on there. 
But God is at work placing His people in a position to bring more and more honor and glory to Him. Ten plagues, not one, but ten that they walk through. And the final one is the Passover. And we're going to look at that this Wednesday night as a part of our, really, a portal or a gateway, a door into the Easter season. I hope you'll come. Join us at 6.30 in the Great Hall. We're going to look at the Passover. We're going to also share in the Lord's Supper together. So I hope you'll come and be with us. It's going to be a a beautiful time. But that last uh, plague, finally the Pharaoh says, all right, let my people go. Now, I've often thought if Pharaoh had to deal with insurance companies, uh, he would have been, you know, a lot earlier. He would have said, all right, I've had enough. I'm out. Uh, The one plague he didn't get, right? Sorry if I offended everyone who's in the insurance business. Um, but But it's a challenge, right? So Pharaoh finally has enough. When you can imagine uh, firstborn children, sons, being killed across the land. They've been through so much, and he finally says, enough is enough. And then, here we come to chapter 14, verse 1. Then the Lord said to Moses, Tell the people of Israel to turn back and encamp in front of Pi-ha-harath, between Megdal and the sea, in front of Baal-zephon. You shall encamp facing it by the sea. Now notice the very detailed instructions he gives them. For Pharaoh will say of the people of Israel, they are wandering in the land. The wilderness has shut them in. And I will harden Pharaoh's heart and he will pursue them and I will get glory. Look at that. I'm going to harden his heart. All this is going to happen so I get glory over Pharaoh and all his host. And the Egyptians shall know that I am the Lord. The answer to the question. They're going to know. And they did so. I want you to see how specific the instruction is here. And here's what God is doing. He puts them in this this situation. The predicament is, like them, we're trapped. Our circumstances box us in. I want you to see here that, that God uses geography and topography to trap them in. He's telling Moses, go to this spot and you're going to be trapped. Imagine that. Could it be that God is at work in those places where we find ourselves? A predicament that we thought was everyone else's problem, everybody else's fault around us, and God has put us there by His sovereignty, by His plan. You find yourself hopelessly trapped even today. This is probably right at the southern part of a connection between Egypt and and Sinai. So Egyptian forts are to the north. We find a desert to the south. Egypt is to the west, and then we have a large body of water to the east. They're trapped. And God has put them there because He's going to show Himself great. Listen, there are circumstances that trap us in as well. You know, we find ourselves trapped. Maybe you find yourself trapped today. It could be a job. You feel trapped. Maybe you're in a season of life and you feel like you're, you're, you're trapped in. Maybe it's a family issue or a health challenge. Maybe you are trapped, you feel, you feel that you're, you're, you're in a marriage, maybe you feel trapped. Maybe your singleness you feel like has trapped you in. Maybe you find yourself uh, in, in a relational challenge. Maybe you're in a financial pickle, vocational challenge today. These aren't all necessarily bad things, but because they take such prominence in our lives, uh, they, they take this role in our lives, so we, we find ourselves trapped. How are you trapped today? We must all admit that we've made decisions that have trapped us in. Every one of us have made choices and decisions, and, and they've placed us in this 
this position where we have no way out. And maybe you find yourself today. I want you to see the predicament. Now, we're all trapped. Our circumstances box us in. But I want you to also see our past runs us down. We are in a predicament. Look at chapter uh, 14, verse 5 through 9. When the king of Egypt was told that the people had fled, the mind of Pharaoh and his servants was changed toward the people. And they said, what is this that we've done? That we've let Israel go from serving us. Another translation says, we've lost their services. That's a nice way to talk about slavery, don't you think? So he made ready his chariot and took his army with him and took 600 chosen chariots and all the, cha- all the other chariots of Egypt with officers over all of them. And the Lord hardened the heart of the Pharaoh, king of Egypt. Look at this. God is directing this entire story. And he pursued the people of Israel. While the people of Israel were going out defiantly, that literally means uh, in, with raised hands. You can imagine just, yes, they're just... They're going out defiantly. Almost a probably, look at what we've done. Look at us taunting the enemy. Then in verse 9, the Egyptians pursued them, all Pharaoh's horses and chariots and his horsemen and his army, and overtook them and encamped at the sea by Pi-ha-hatharoth in front of baal Zephon, exactly where God said, they would end up. I want you to notice these Egyptians decided to come after them again. They'd lost the services of thousands upon thousands of people, jobs that they didn't want to do. And they had 10 plagues of messes to clean up. Can you imagine? I mean, they had been devastated, almost to a sense, maybe to a place where the Pharaoh was saying, we got nothing else to lose, and now we've lost them. Let's let's go after them. So with raised hands, they go out defiantly, celebrating what was happening. And then, behold, they look over and they see their past coming after them over the hill. You know, this happens to us as well. We think that we've cut off that toxic relationship of the past. Maybe we've, we've ended a relationship that we knew was not uh, bringing life to us. Maybe it was an old group of friends. Maybe you finally escaped that job that you had hoped to to get rid of. That was the real problem, except that we realize that after a new place, new people, new circumstances, our problems chase us down. Maybe the problem is with me. You see, our past drives really fast, like chariots coming over a hill, bearing down on us. And some of us, we can't shake our past. We discover that a new environment, you know, a new, new job, a new house, a new dress, a new look, a new me, still doesn't offer the solution. I still find myself trapped. What about you? Maybe we all need to recognize that the problem lies within us, and we cannot rescue ourselves. See, our problem, our predicament, Our past goes all the way back to our first parents. We have inherited a family brokenness, a systemic problem that we can't can't shake. Because you see, our sin that we have inherited because of our fallen condition is not so much about good and bad behavior, though it manifests itself that way. 
It's a function of the heart. Sin is a condition of the heart. And we can't fix ourselves. And so we find ourselves trapped in. Many of us are broken because of our past. Maybe it's a grief that you bear. Maybe it's a decision you made. Some of us have a recent past. Maybe yours uh, was more recent uh, decisions that you've made. Maybe for some of us, decisions we made in high school or college. And those things keep coming back to us. Maybe we look back to that sin, that one sin. It just keeps on coming back. keeps chasing us down like an army to entrap us and enslave us again. Just when we thought, with hands raised, we've been set free. It comes and takes us over again. Do you ever wrestle with that kind of thing? Maybe for some of us, it's, it's an addiction. Keeps coming back. Started off not a big deal. Maybe it's a relationship that you know doesn't honor the Lord and doesn't honor ourselves. Maybe it's something that, that you just can't shake. Maybe it's a family challenge again. Maybe it's a son or daughter or a wayward child. Maybe it's a dream that you realize now is not going to happen. What is it that constantly kind of bears down on you? Maybe mistakes you've made in the past. So we're in a predicament. But we have a greater problem, and I've already alluded to it. All of our solutions fall short. Look at, look at verse 10. Look at what happens. When Pharaoh drew near, the people of Israel lifted up their eyes, and behold, the Egyptians were marching after them, and they feared greatly. And the people of Israel cried out. They cried out to the Lord. They said to Moses, Is it because there are no graves in Egypt that you have taken us away to die in the wilderness? What have you done to us in bringing us out of Egypt? Is not this what we said to you in Egypt? Because they had. Leave us alone that we may serve the Egyptians. We'd rather stay here. For it would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the wilderness. Look at what's happening here. They are so jammed in this pickle. They have such a predicament. The greater problem is they find themselves, we can either be slaves in Egypt or we can be out here and we can die in the wilderness. Essentially, we can die there or we can die here. Why have you brought us here? You know, this is what happens for us as well. We find ourselves in a pickle at times and we realize that there's really no way out and our solutions are bad solutions. Again, for some of us, it's, it's going to be that we seek a way out on our own. and We don't turn to the Lord. Are you turning to the Lord even today in the predicament you find yourself in? You say, well, Jeff, mine's, mine's already done. I've already just, I've accepted it. It's just the way it is. Might be a relationship again that's broken. Maybe something in your past that you just think can't be healed. Maybe it's something about you. Maybe it is an addiction or some sinful habit. You say, that's just where I am who I am. It's just the way it is. And you find yourself hopeless. I'm either going to die here or die here. And, and, and we often find ourselves uh, self-medicating even. Some of us do so by way of Netflix or pornography, sports. Or some other thing that we, we, we think will fill the gap for us. Maybe it's drugs. Maybe it's success. And all of our solutions fall short. We, we can't find a way out. 
And then we see the provision. And here's what I want you to see in verses 13, uh, 13 through 20. Look at what happens. And Moses said to the people, Fear not, stand firm, and see the salvation of the Lord. Look at Moses' faith. Which he will work for you today. For the Egyptians whom you see today, you shall never see again. How about that? I mean, he is with the Lord. He's heard from God. He knows what's going to happen, and he's proclaiming it to the people. The Lord will fight for you, and you have only to be silent. Think about that. God's going to fight this fight. You only have to be silent. Now watch what happens. The Lord said to Moses, Why do you cry to me? Tell the people of Israel to go forward. Lift up your staff and stretch out your hand over the sea and divide it that the people of Israel may go through the sea on dry ground. And I will harden the hearts of the Egyptians so that they shall go in after them and I will get glory over Pharaoh and all his hosts, his chariots and his horsemen. And the Egyptians shall know that I am the Lord. The answer to Pharaoh's question. They're going to know, and here's how it's going to happen. When I have gotten glory over Pharaoh, his chariots, and his horsemen. Then the angel of God, now watch this, who was going before the host of Israel moved and went behind them. And the pillar of, of cloud moved from before them and stood behind them, coming between the host of Egypt and the host of Israel. And there was the cloud and the darkness, and it lit up the night without one coming near the other all night. Now, commentators have noted, now we've got a pillow of fire. We have this, wait, we've got a cloud. We have, we have an angel. Some have said this is all one and the same, that it is the presence of God. Now, what does this teach us? Well, it teaches us, look at this, God's presence has been with them all the time. They find themselves in this predicament because God told them to go there. This, is, this, this will kind of mess with your mind a bit, but God is sovereign. That's the whole point here. God, listen, you find yourself in your predicament because of past sins that you have committed. You find yourself with, with, with the past bearing down on you. You find yourself in a predicament. You can't get out. God's presence has been with you all the, the while, and it's with you now. For some of us who feel trapped in and we can't get out, we don't know what's going to happen. Remember, God is with you. You can simply turn to Him. We see that this whole chapter starts with God speaking to Moses. And now He speaks to him again. But look at what happens. The, the presence of God was before them. It shifts to behind them so that there's the, the, he, he's, he's protecting them from the Egyptians. Now they find themselves there at the Red Sea, and I want you to see here, God makes a way out, and He does so. Look at this. God's presence is how He rescues. God's very presence is His deliverance. Don't miss this. It's why we have the incarnation. It's why God has come to us, not in the form of a bush that burns for a while, not in the pillar of fire. He comes to us in the person of Jesus Christ to, to not temporarily, but permanently live among us. He comes to live in the flesh, living among His people. God's presence in Christ Himself is our deliverance. He is our rescue. He is our exodus. It's why the writer of Hebrews says, He is our Passover lamb. It is the very presence of God that rescues us from our predicament where we cannot rescue ourselves. 
And even now, He is present at the right hand of the Father for all of eternity. His Spirit is with us now. Those of us who know Him resides in us. God's presence is with you always. But do you turn to Him first and foremost? God's presence is here with us today. He's here seeking to speak into your heart. And He does this, friends. Listen, He does it through His Word. It's why we preach and teach His Word. It's why we enter into Bible studies together prior to this time on Sunday mornings and throughout the week. It's why we pray. It's why you can pray and seek Him every day He's with you. You find yourself in this predicament. You think there's no way out. Remember, the very presence of God is success in your life. It's how He he pulls us out. It's why Jesus would say in John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. The very presence of God in your life is the way out. Do you have the Lord in your heart today? Have you received Him? Is He in your life today? Have you made a decision that you're going to trust the Lord? Because He is the way out. His presence is the way out. I want you to see, too, God's power is how He rescues us. Look at verse 21. We're not there yet. Keep following along with me. Look at this. Then Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, and the Lord drove the sea back by a strong east wind all night and made the sea dry land. And the waters were divided. Now listen, during, now you don't often think about this piece of the story. They're trapped. The Egyptians are there. God's protecting them from the Egyptians at this point. Not yet time. All night long, God is dividing the waters. And the people of Israel went into the midst of the sea on dry ground. Now, presumably, kind of in the morning. Could have happened at night. They just start pressing on. The waters behind uh, are being a wall to them on their right hand and on their left. Imagine. I imagine a great wall of water. as high or higher than this sanctuary. And they're walking on dry ground. The Egyptians finally pursued and went in after them in the midst of the sea, all Pharaoh's horses, chariots, his horsemen. And in the morning, watch. So now in the morning, the Lord in the pillar of fire and of of cloud looked down on the Egyptian forces and threw the Egyptian forces into panic, clogging the chariots, wheels, so that they drove heavily. And the Egyptians said, Let us flee from, from before Israel, for the Lord, look at this, fights for them against the Egyptians. Then the Lord said to Moses, Stretch out your hand over the sea, that the water may come back upon the Egyptians, upon the chariots, upon the horsemen. So Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, and the sea returned to its normal course when the morning appeared. So now we have been going through the night. The morning comes up, the sun's coming up, and as the Egyptians fled into into it, the Lord threw the Egyptians into the midst of the sea. The waters returned and covered the chariots and the horsemen. Of all the host of Pharaoh that had followed them into the sea, not one of them remained. So I want you to see God's power is how He rescues us. It's by His doing. He said, you stand back. You don't need to say a thing. Be silent. And God will rescue you. He will bring salvation to you today. And friends, the same is true for us. Now think about this. I imagine them walking along uh, together. Masses of people. Some have noted up to maybe a million people. Thousands upon thousands of people. So you can see why it's kind of an all-night journey. And they're going across the Red Sea. And the water's on both sides. 
Now, I imagine that some were going through there, right? It'd be like us. Let's say our congregation gathered, and we're, imagine all of us walking along. And there'd be some of us going, this is amazing. This is the greatest thing ever. Some of us would be saying, or some of the kids probably would be saying, Daddy, look, there's a fish. There's a fish. And then Dad would come on, let's get on through here. Come on, get out of here. You, let's don't, don't slow down. Some of us would be walking through, we're going to die, we're going to die, we're going to die. Let's go. Others would say, no, 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 hey, calm down. God's got this. Did you see the plagues? I mean, look at this. Are you kidding me? This is amazing. Some confidently walking through. But let me ask you, who made it to the other side? All of them. Here's my point. It, it, it's, not, it's not the strength of our faith that saves us. You see, sometimes we can even, we know it's not by works that we're saved, but sometimes we can think, well, if I just believed enough, then God would really do something great. And, and if we're not careful, we enter into this kind of prosperity gospel. It's, you just kind of name it, claim it. But if you have faith, and when you don't have faith, no wonder that happened to you. Friends, listen, your faith may not be perfect but your Savior is. Your Savior is perfect. And, and he says, with just a mustard seed of faith, he's going to show up great and bring rescue to your life. You may be here today and say, I, I don't know if I can believe all this. I'm not sure about a Savior born years ago and died on a cross and rose again, somehow taking my sins upon himself. I, I'm not quite there. Listen, listen. Friends, you, you tell me what is your answer. You're in a predicament, you have a problem, and you cannot rescue yourself. But look at how God promises us that He will rescue us as He does the Egyptians. Look at what happens here. Look at verse uh, 29. But the people of Israel walked on dry ground through the sea, the waters being a wall to them on their right hand and on their left. Thus the Lord saved Israel that day, from the hand of the Egyptians, and Israel saw the Egyptians dead on the seashore. Can you imagine? Israel saw the great power of the Lord used against the Egyptians, so the people feared the Lord. They believed in the Lord and in His servant, Moses. God rescues us by His presence. It's God's power that rescues us. It's His promise is how He rescues us. Friends, do you, do you believe, have you received the promise of a Savior that has come? And if you, if you receive Him, if you ask Him to come into your life to rescue you from your sin, He will do so by faith, not your works, but by faith. The people trusted the Lord. They finally followed after Moses and His great faith. When we trust Him, He brings deliverance, is what we see in verse 29. They believed, it says, and, 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 and here's, here's a word for some of us today. Chapter 14, verse 30. Some of us need to leave the wreckage behind. Friend, you need to leave your past behind. God has forgiven you if you've received His grace. He didn't cover just some of your sins. He covered all of your sins. And that sin or even that grief or that pain from the past that keeps coming over the hill and keeps chasing you down, you can move forward in faith. You can trust the Lord that He is at work even in all of that. And He's rescued you. He's delivered you from your past. And He has forgiven you. God's promise is how He rescues us. And then we're to follow Him every day. 
And I'll close with this. God's person is how he rescues us. We've already talked about the power of his presence. But friends, listen, Christ is our exodus. Christ is the way out. You and I are in a predicament. We have a problem that we face, and there's a provision that he makes through Christ himself. You know, there's several ways to get across a body of water. You could build a bridge, I suppose. Every other religion seeks to build a bridge. You put down pylons, you put some kind of cross, something going across, asphalt, somehow you try to build a bridge, but there are certain distances that are, that are un bridgeable you cannot get across and the gap between us sinful people who've fallen short and a holy god cannot be bridged by our own doing christ has come god steps in and he says behold the salvation of the lord has come and Jesus, the Lamb of God, comes to take away our sin. It's why in 1 Corinthians 5, 7, Paul says, Christ, our Passover Lamb, has been sacrificed for us. He is our way out. And so today we're going to close our service in a special way, or this sermon. We're going to sing a song together as we close. Now you might say, well, we've done that before, but we're going to sing a song that Moses wrote, and it's in... Exodus chapter 15, it's called the Song of Moses. And so there's an adaptation of this song that we're going to sing together because I thought it'd be a great thing for us to just pause here for a moment. And I can imagine the people on the other side of the Red Sea, after God rescued his people, they stand on the other side. Moses writes the first song in all of Scripture. God, our strength. And our song has rescued us from the evil one. And friends, today as his people across our campus, we're going to sing this song together, proclaiming the salvation of our God. And I want you to put your past behind, to realize that God has rescued you from your predicament. When you had no power, when you could not save yourself, he has saved you through Christ himself. If you've never received Christ, I want to encourage you to do so today. I want to ask you to just pray with me right now. Everyone, pray, Lord God, we love you and we praise you. We thank you for the historic moment that took place on, on Golgotha, on Calvary's cross. We thank you that Jesus has come to make a way when we had no way. We thank you that you've rescued us from our sins. And friend, if you're here today and you cannot sing this song of salvation, you receive Christ right now. Ask Him to come into your heart to set you free. Christ, our Exodus, give your life to Him. Lord God, we love you and we praise you for how you have rescued us. In Jesus' name, we pray. Listen, friends, I want us all to stand right now. I'll be here at the front as we sing this great song. To the Lord, the song of Moses. Stephen, lead us.